break uh, for the past few weeks so it's good to be back and um, we all have a story we all have struggles and the good news is we are not alone and this week we have uh, a friend of mine who I've met through a barn brother um, and she uh, founded Leah's Hopes and Dreams and wanted to have her on and uh, share her story and about her uh, nonprofit. But uh, Shanique Carmichael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good That's afternoon. It. <laughs> yes, good afternoon. It's an honor to have you. Um, and I've been out a few times to Leah's Hopes and Dreams. Can't make it as much as I've wanted to, but um, want to have you talk about that and then how our listeners can get involved, whether they come out and get hands-on and help or uh, donating to your nonprofit and your ministry. Um, and then just your story that you've shared with me that is you know, very interesting, how you came from the Bahamas to um, America and then that led to, you know, you started your nonprofit, I think, roughly 10 years ago. Yes, yes. We started the nonprofit in 2012. Um, and Leah's Hopes and Dreams, uh, as you mentioned, is a nonprofit organization. We, what we focus on three things, hunger, education and housing. And how we came, how that organization came about um, in 2012 was the fact that I'm originally from the Bahamas. So the colors that you see on the shower truck, the colors that we wear, the colors that are on our logo, it's the Bohemian colors. Um, and so the organization, we started the organization in honor of my mom. And before I really get into what we do here in Charlotte and abroad um, in the different areas that we do support, I love to talk about um, who, how we got started and why it's just such a passion of mine to really combat homelessness in our area. Yes. So growing up in the Bahamas, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to say, yes, I'd love for you to share that. Cause when you told me it was just so powerful and touching that a lot, <laughs> I get, people just need to hear um, your story. And, Cause that's kind of how, you know, or is how Leah's hopes and dreams came into vision. Um, throughout yeah. Your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so growing up in the Bahamas, um, I, I, I share with people that we were very poor and some people, poor is, is, is different to everyone, right? Um, it could be different to everyone. Individuals in Africa that we've um, served, they, you know, they consider themselves poor in the area that we went in. Um, and they were definitely so much more less fortunate than we were in the fact that we ha I actually had a, a roof over my head. The individuals that we serviced there didn't. Um, but growing up in the Bahamas, my mother had eight children. Her, na her name was Leah. And she had eight children. And um, as you all, I mean, you might know or you might not know, tourism drives, um, you know, uh, individuals' jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so my mom, she, the, the weeks that she worked, as I shared with you, she would make $80 a week if that, if she, and that's if she worked five days out of the week. And so most days um, I went to school, I, I graduated at the, at the age of 16. And most days I went to school, I didn't have shoes on my feet. I didn't have, um, we didn't have food to eat. So I went to school hungry and I was raised in a home um, for the first 16 years of my life without running water, electricity. We took showers on the outside in a, a tin tub. Um, and we had outhouses, so we used an outhouse for, for the bathroom. And so it was very challenging for my siblings and I. Um, we slept on concrete floors and boarded windows. And, um, you know, we had a roof over our head, but it was just a small hut 
that had um, um, just a covering. And so most days we woke up, um, there was either a roach or a tarantula or a snake or something. And I, I joke about it now, but it really was serious then. But, you know, I said we were greeted by uh, something, you know, so we were <laughs> greeted by a snake or greeted by a tarantula or something. Hate, and so we laugh about it. <laughs> but we but you know we had company every morning we woke up there was something and it's because (laughs) the cracks in the doors and you know where the house was located it Mm -hmm. was in the bushes and so um not having like the 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 covering on the on the on the on the door underneath the door to to prevent individual um to prevent those things from coming in and or um you know and the windows were cracked so something was always crawling and it's the island so you always have bugs and stuff oh, crawling, yeah. especially when it rains. So, yep. so that's really shelter. the environment that I grew up in. And um, we had sort of the roof that we, on the house, it, it just had holes in the roof. And so every time it rained, the water would come in, but we had no choice. We would sleep on the, on the concrete floors, either with a sheet or just like that. Um, and, and we were satisfied. I know, you know, we were poor, but because I had friends who could afford more uh, or friends, parents who afforded more for them. And, um, but now that I look back at the life that my mom provided for us, you know, it made me stronger. And hence the reason why I started the organization in honor of her, because when she passed away, she was 42 years old and um, 42. And she had hypertension. She had three heart attacks. And and the third time the doctors couldn't revive her. But I'm going to tell you what, the only reason that I actually was able to transition from the Bahamas to the U.S. is because of the grace of God. God has given me an opportunity to get a full track and field scholarship to attend St. Augustine's College in Raleigh. And um, and I just, I keep saying, you know, he, that the, the Bahamas was my Egypt and God knew he handpicked me out of all of my siblings to bring me here, to do what I'm doing, to be able to go back to the Bahamas because now we go back to the Bahamas twice a year to give back to the community that I suffered in. And now I'm able to take what take things that I couldn't afford or I wasn't given um, to be able to give people who are in my position, in my position now, in the position that I was in then, they are now. So I'm able to, you know, um, it, it's just a blessing that I'm able to go circle. back and do it. And I don't write and I don't take it and I don't take it for granted. You know, I'm so grateful that God has selected me and he didn't have to. But at the end of the day, he did. And and, and I, I literally take I said yes to his will and I take it seriously. And hence the reason why we started Leah's Hopes and Dreams, because we saw the need here in Charlotte. And I can relate to each and every person on the street. I had mental challenges, not because uh, I didn't have to do medication, but the mental challenges that I had was really just not being enough, not feeling like I was ever enough and not feeling like I was ever wanted. And um, it's just because we just, just no one has really poured into us spiritually and, and mentally and telling us, regardless of what we've been facing, that it was just temporary. You know, we all are in different seasons in our lives. But as a kid, I didn't know any different. I didn't know mm. that, you know, the season will pass, this too shall pass, but it did. But it made me stronger. It made my family much stronger. 
And now I'm able to look back and thank God for allowing me to take that journey because had I didn't take that journey, I wouldn't be able to do what I do and have the love that I have in my heart for those people on the street because I can relate. I know what it feels like to go without. And I don't want anyone to go without or even experience what I've experienced. Yeah, it's tough. Um, And it takes, you know, special people, you know, people with thick skin or have been in their position before and struggling with um, needs that they're struggling with to reach out to them because they're not always the most loving people, um, but they need that love. Right, right. And and I I mean, every year since we started um, our ministry, so as I mentioned, we focus on hunger, education and housing. So we originally started off in 2012 just feeding uh, individuals on a, on a monthly basis. Then we transitioned, the needs start growing. Individuals looked forward to seeing us. And so God graced us with the opportunity to take it um, to go every other week. And now we're going out twice a week. And so twice a week, um, our ministry has expanded from just giving hot dogs and drinks and, and or um, sandwiches and chips and drinks every week to providing twice meals twice a week and now we are offering a shower we have a shower truck that we offer um, showers on the street as well as we offer free haircuts and that means that just getting a free haircut a fresh haircut I wouldn't even say free it is free obviously but just Mm. getting a fresh haircut gives them so much confidence in themselves they feel better I mean, they, 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 they walk differently when they get up out of the chair. They speak differently. It's just, it's, it's an amazing opportunity just to give someone hope, but just to show the love of Christ mm-hmm. as we continue to just serve and do his will the way he asks, he, he wants us to do it. You know, and that's what we strive to do every day, to serve individuals, to love on individual, the individuals the way Christ, Christ designed it to be. Yes. And that's what, if everyone in the world did that, you know, our world would be a much better place, but unfortunately that's not how everyone lives. Um, but it takes one person to make a difference. And then the person that they touched can, you know, reach out and touch somebody else. Um, but yeah, when I was seeing, um, last time I was out there, uh, a guy was getting a haircut and he just, like you said, he stood up with more confidence and (laughs) uh, the people that were around were complimenting him and you could see that spark in in his eyes and smile and just, you know, (laughs) he was on the streets and homeless, but he, you know, he knew that he was loved and that haircut just went, um, and just meant a lot to him. It, 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 and then taking a shower. I, yes. And honestly, the shower truck is absolutely amazing. I've never, um, I've never heard of it until one of the members of the organization um, told me about it. Well, we were in this test and learn phase when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. We knew we want to start a small, tiny homes village. And a part of that village would be a central place where individuals can take baths and we would have a community center. And we're still tri- striving to do that. But the goal was, you know, have classrooms where we can have computer classes. Um, we can teach financial literacy. We can have mental health um, opportunities for individuals to go just get therapy. And and that's our goal. That's our long term goal is to build a community of tiny homes, but also build a community of center, uh, a community center where crisis shared and individuals can um, so, uh, uh, just come together and congregate and and love on each other, but also hear each other's stories because stories are what change lives. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, if you went through something and you can share that with someone who's going through the same thing 
and you can tell them how you got through that, that will change someone's life. It gives them hope. And so that's one of the things that we really want to do. But honestly, just taking a shower and changing, having a fresh set of clothes that you can change into, it changed lives. It impacts lives so positively. You just don't know how much that means to someone on the street. And they say thank you all the time, all the time. Yeah. It's a blessing. It's a true blessing. And they come through with dealing with, you know, all types of stuff. But just when you're handing them that warm meal and um, some clothes and then even the canned goods and bags of chips. Yeah. They're just so appreciative and um, (laughs) asking how you're doing. And it just means a lot. They do. (laughs) They do. They do. They literally ask, how are you doing? I I, I remember um, the other day. Um, one of the guys, and, and we, we see so much, you know, every mm-hmm. different illness, you know, one of the guys, he was having a breakdown. He probably didn't take his meds and he was like, why are y'all coming out here? We don't need your help. And uh, he just went off on us. Yeah. And so they walked up and they said, please don't listen to him. We need, don't listen to him. Please come out. And so, you know, they were like, don't do it. Don't do it, please. Because we're the only organization now that's out there on Wednesdays. And so Mm -hmm. we serve a lot of people other than, so we're out there at five. And then of course, rice and beans, they'll come out um, around 630 in the evening. It's so dark now, but um, it used to be other organizations coming out serving on Wednesdays. And so now they look to us if we're not there to serve they don't have a meal until about 6.30 um, when rice and beans come. And and I don't, you know, they look forward to us being out there. Yeah. And we enjoy being out there. We prepare our food ourselves. We prefer, you know, organizations to come alongside us and, and help. So that's one of our needs. And, and hopefully in 2023, we get some more organizations who are like restaurants who are preparing food during the week that they'd like to come alongside us and prepare food for us to be able to serve and meet the need on Wednesday evening. Because we, we do work too. But in between working, um, in between working and or we prepare the food ourselves um, on Tuesday night to be able to, you know, prepare, um, take the food out on Wednesday evening, because we still have to give our hundred percent to, to the jobs that we do work at my husband mm-hmm. and I, and then we have individuals every now and again, will come alongside us and provide food like feed in Charlotte. If they have over an abundance, they'll provide food to us. But one of our major need is, um, you know, organizations, companies, restaurants coming alongside us and in, in 2023, especially for Wednesday, Wednesday evening feedings. So we'll be able to, you know, continue to do it in a way that we, that, that, glorifies God. And um, so that's, that's like, it's, it's one of the things that we want to do, continue to do that. We'll continue to do what that's one of the major needs that we have right now. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I mean, it's no longer hot dogs and chips and drinks. I mean, every time I've been there, it's been a a spread. (laughs) It's been a hot spread that uh, goes pretty quick. Um, Quickly. Oh my goodness. The line is backing up and everyone's trying to get seconds or get an extra scooping on their plate. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good food. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I don't believe in, uh, let me tell you, when we serve, we believe in serving in excellence and I don't believe mm-hmm. in taking shortcut and I serve the individuals what I would want. And yeah. if I don't want, if, if that's something I wouldn't want to eat, I wouldn't want to give it to them. I don't care how small or how large. And actually to your point, you know, according to the latest um, data from the uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg housing and, and homelessness dashboard, so we get that pretty often when they do some um, when they do their um, 
their their surveys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're saying right now there are about 3,128 people experiencing homelessness in the Mecklenburg County. And this was wow. as of September. Um, and that's on a daily basis. That's not annually and that's not monthly. That's on a daily, daily basis. basis. And then they said, um, you know, during that month from the report that we had looked at, it talked about 663 individuals. They entered homelessness. Um, they uh, out of that number, 663 indiv- individuals entered homelessness. Um, and then that that specific week when they conducted the the survey, and then 75 percent of those were homeless for the first time. So homelessness wow. sort of like it's a revolving door. Yeah. So we see like revolve people come out, they'll get off the street for a couple of months and they're back on the street. So to me, it's like, how do we get them to the point where once they get either housing that they are able to maintain that, what does that look like? And it, yeah. and it requires a lot. It's just no one and done situation. It requires cool. a lot of follow-up. It requires a lot of paperwork. It requires funding. It requires them going to treatment because a, a 99% of the individuals on the street, they have mental health issues yeah. and um, you know, they need medication. A lot mm-hmm. of them have health issues. Um, they're experiencing a, a, a compilation of things that contribute to them being on the street. Yep. And so um, to get them off over the street is great, but how do we keep them off? And yep. so we need programs in place. We need the funding in place to really keep them focused and give them the med- medicine they need, give them the the, uh, the therapy they need so they can literally try to focus their minds and focus their body, get their body to a point where it's healthy so they can start working again, so they can start reconnecting with their families, because a lot of the individuals on the street, they're not connected with their families. Yeah. We just had a young guy the other day said he hadn't seen his daughter and daughter in two years and she's five years old mm. because he's on the street, you know, and, and he's That's been um, he's been locked up a couple of times. And so he's disconnected. And it's, it's just so important that these individuals, a lot of them are men that we serve. I feel like a lot of them just if we can get them reconnected with their families and their kids, some of these kids will not experience what they experience. Right. You know, it will prevent them from going down that same path. And so that's like my drive to help get men and women off of the street so they can get their kids back and they can start raising their kids like they should, because that's so important right now. To me, it is important. Yeah, it's very important. Um, and to touch on that, I mean, I'm blessed to the family that I was born into um, mm-hmm. because I mean, I struggle with mental health. I've um, had a 10 year kind of roller coaster that I put my family through um, my God. dealing with mental health, um, drug addiction and in and out of rehabs and jail. Um, and mm, if, if my it God. Wasn't for the family I was born into, you know, I would be dead in prison or on the streets. Um, right. And, you know, I can't play the what if game or why me, but, um, you know, I would probably be uptown, you know, um, getting food from you, um, you know, on Wednesday, right. if it wasn't for the family that I was born into and they didn't give up on me. Um, right. I know a lot of right. people where the families do give up on them. Um, yeah. And it's just so disheartening and it's, it's sad. It's, you know, it's a, a stigma that needs to, you know, our government, our society needs to really come around and wrap their arms around mental health. And, uh, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. make a difference. And it doesn't have to be worldwide, but just in your community, in your neighborhood. Um, but then, as you were saying, just that revolving door, once they get off the street, how do you keep them off the street? Because, right. I mean, I would go into a rehab and I would do good for a while and then I'd have to go back into a rehab. But if I didn't have the family mm-hmm. that I had, I would have gone from that rehab out onto the streets or out of jail onto yeah. the streets. But I was blessed mm-hmm. with my family that didn't give up on me and were able to help me and had the means to help me. Um, right. So, but a lot of the people um, that you serve and um, come in contact with don't have that um, you know, no. support, no. unfortunately. Um, and so it's how do you combat that and overcome that? Yeah. So, so and, and you're, you're spot on. A lot of them don't have, like Mr. Albert, for example, he mm. has been homeless for 27 years, living wow. under the bridge mm. on Tryon. And we put him in the home for a little while. Mm-hmm. Actually, he was one of our first residents and he's never had a birthday party. And we had oh. his first birthday party last year at 72 years old. I bet you that. And so, him. yes, it did. And he was amazing. And then because he's been on the street for so long, he literally eventually transitioned back on the street because he wanted to, not because we told him he had to leave the transitional house, because he wanted to, because that's what he was conditioned to. And that's what he knew. And that's what he was comfortable with. And so um, he comes out on Wednesdays and and Saturday mornings and he still looks for, um, he'll look for us and we'll feed him. But I'm like, are you coming back to the transitional home? And he said, no, because he's been disconnected from people people and living under the bridge for so long that that's his life. That's what he knows. And I'm like, is that who we are right now? You know, Um, do we really care about people like that? And he's an amazing, um, smart man, smart Mm -hmm. man. But I guess he's been disconnected from family for so long. He, his wife, um, his wife passed away. And he said, when she passed away, it's when he really um, took it hard and started having mental challenges. And then he went on, he doesn't do drugs. He, he drinks a lot. He drinks a mm-hmm. lot. And uh, he's been to prison, been in prison for several years, um, for quite some time. And then he smokes cigarettes, but he'll come out and we'll feed him and, um, you know, um, and, and speaks. He literally has a, he's in his right mind, but he's on the street. I'm, mm-hmm. I, so I asked him, I said, well, how long do you think you can keep this up? Do you not want to keep come back? He was like, no, baby, I don't want to come back. He was like, um, I'm, I'm doing fine. I love the bridge. And I said, mm-hmm. man, 27 years. I said, how do you make it in the cold? He said, well, it's where I sit in the bri- under the bridge on Tryon. It's not a, when they go, I guess, underneath the bridge. I, yeah. I, I can't tell you it's the breeze. It's not as cold. And um, so he finds comfort in living like that. But then you have other people who have um, family members and just because of their mental condition and they and the family members couldn't identify what it was, they were acting out. Right. And they had behavioral issues. And so had, you know, some people just took the time to take them to the doctor to get some medicine, to get them, you know, just checked out. Maybe it would have turned out a little bit differently. But I'm honestly, you get tired. Some people, they get tired of the bad behavior and they get tired of feeling drained and 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 just just used and so you know they give up on people that's we're human and i get it but at the end of the day i'm going to put some of the blame on the individuals on the street as well they need to realize that even though they have behavioral issues 
and they have mental issues, there are resources out there that they can go and get. Um, and we give them resources. Uh, it, is, it, it takes a lot to get the resources to do what they need to do, but it takes it makes it takes that one decision. You have to yep. make the decision to want to get off the street. And then as you start trying, someone else will try as well to help you. And it's not all the time, but I'm saying you still have to take responsibility for your actions and um, not always blame individuals. But until they get there, my goal is to love them to Christ. My goal is to yep. keep, keep showing up. And my goal is to be consistent. And my goal is to keep pouring into them and, and speaking life into them and giving them hope. And then Hopefully one day that 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 um, they'll hear that one word, whatever that looks like, and it'll change their life. And it's been happening. We've changed many lives since we've been on the street in 2012. And I love it because I can see the growth of individuals that we've impacted. Some people came back and say, thank you. Some people are no longer on the street. But, you know, we're going to show up for those who are there every time we go mm -hmm. and showing up. That's what matters. You know, consistency and them. Saying, yep. OK, she loves us. She's actually out here every, you know, Wednesday and Saturday, as she said. And um, yeah, she's doing what she's promised yep. us. And to them, that goes a long ways because they don't have a lot of it people does. in their lives make promises and they fall through. And so they have trust issues. Mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been it's been a challenge. Now we've expanded our ministry into um, the Concord area. And so as of April this year, we started going um, partnering with Esther's Heart and they serve the community. They serve the, the schools, the kids in schools that are that are um, experiencing hunger and home and not home. Some of them are homeless, yeah. but they're experiencing hunger. And so now um, Concord at some point, they they are still not trying to acknowledge that they have a homeless population, but it has grown tremendously. So every week, every, we go down once a month and starting January, we'll be now expanding to twice a month in the Concord area. And it's just to touch those that need. We can't, once a month is just not sufficient. Now that they're used to us and they've seen us and they know that we would be there every third Saturday, they're looking forward to the haircuts. They're looking forward um, to the food that we serve. And then in Concord, we do have the Cabarrus County Health Mobile um, um, unit that comes out once a month with us. And they provide like free um, uh, cholesterol check and free wow. blood pressure check. And yeah, so we get a medical facility, mobile facility that comes out with nurses and they will, will serve with us on that Wednesday offering medical support. And so I, we don't have that here in Charlotte, but we have it in Concord. So it's just a blessing to be able to expand our ministry and to touch even more because homelessness is not going away and it's no. growing. It, I mean, every week we're seeing mm -hmm. different people. Um, and it's just uh, amazing how the resources are short funding. You need funding for everything. And now, you know, everyone's just talking about this recession that's looming over us. Um, yeah. What are we going to do? We need this. We need that um, to be able to continue servicing these individuals. But no matter what, God is able. You know, Amen. we're going to keep showing up. Our job is to show up and God's job is to bring the increase. So that's what we're going to do and trust God through the process. Amen. Because, um, yeah, a previous guest who's with the Charlotte Eagles, because they... Um, our ministry semi-professional soccer team and um, their ministry is to 
um, share God with their soccer players and then those in the community. But, um, you know, they fundraise all of their money. And he was saying at the end of the year, we still have X amount of money left. And it's like, are we going to be able to get this done? And God always provides, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's mm-hmm. like, God's going to provide until, you know, he, we no longer need to have this ministry until that day comes, right. you know, we keep doing what we've been called to do. And that's all you That's can right. Do. That's right. That's all we can do. Because yeah. if God has called us to do something, we know he would provide. And trust me, many Wednesdays, many Saturdays, we didn't know whether we would have the food to serve. <laughs> As recently, about two weeks ago, uh, my husband called and he said, well, what are we going to do for today? And I said, well, I'm going to bake some chicken. I'm going to get go to the store and get some green beans. And I'm going to do some um, baked beans. And then we'll have some um, rolls. And I said, pretty much that's what we're going to serve today. And no, and when I tell you within the hour, we received a call from Feeding Charlotte and said, hey, guys, we have a ton of food that we're bringing your way. And I'm and I, I said, well, I've already cooked what I had. But when I tell you the food was, I mean, desserts, uh, every side you would want and several things of turkey. And I said, wow, thank you, Lord. Because even though we thought we didn't have, he already had a plan and a plan in place for them to bring whatever we needed to be able to supply the individuals on the street food that day. And so every time we feel like we don't have enough, God makes it enough. Mm -hmm. And he just put people in a place to to give us what we need to be able to serve. That's every Wednesday and every Saturday. He never ceased to amaze me. He opens doors. And and, and honestly, I think he tried us several times to see if if we don't have, are we still going to go ahead and do it? Mm -hmm. Many times we said, if we didn't have food, we're going to go take whatever we have, toiletries, um, take the mm-hmm. shower truck. And, but we always figure out how to get food to be able to serve those individuals. Never since 2012 have we not gone out there and didn't have food on that table. Not one time. Wow. And I mean, that just goes That's to the show faithfulness you. I mean, of it was, God. Yeah. And just one hour before you were supposed to be out there, you get the call. Yep. Yep. Feeding Charlotte called and said, we have a ton of food coming your way. And I was like, man, and I just started laughing because it wasn't no food that you would throw away or you wouldn't eat. This is like pecan, um, whatever, not even pecan pies. It was like peak, well-designed pecan cake. So I don't know what it was, but we Some had that. And, stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Really good food. you know. <laughs> and then they had like these designed really nice biscuits, cookies. And um, then they had sides and desserts and then meat with it. And I was like, well, there you have it. I have this, this, and then we're sharing that. And everything worked out and everyone got fed. We had leftovers. It reminded me about the 5,000. We had leftovers from not having, not thinking we wouldn't have enough to having more than enough. To having an abundant and and more. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Yep. And then, God is go, faithful. This is good. him. This is yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And going back to, you know, people um, in your community, you know, with the tiny houses and the vision you have there, 
um, to people sharing their stories. You know, that's the purpose of this podcast. Um, cause everyone has a story, whether it's a mm-hmm. big story, you know, like yours or mine or other guests, um, or mm-hmm. a small story that you feel like is very insignificant. It's not right. Everyone's got a story and we all have struggles no matter how big or how small. Um, and then, you know, like for me and my struggles in the past, I thought I was alone and no one else had these struggles and I was the only one going through it, which is a lie. So when you get um, people together sharing stories, it allows others to feel vulnerable to share their stories. And then like you said, how did you overcome that? Or how did you get through that? What did you do? You know, and Mm -hmm. as a community, they can help each other. Um, and so that's the purpose of this podcast, but I mean, I've gotten people reaching out, asking me to connect them with guests who have shared on certain topics, um, like bipolar or you name it. Um, and just being able to create a community, um, you know, through stories that, um, people have shared with me or my stories. But when you go and share your story, it just, it means a lot and it's able to help people who are going through something when they might feel alone. Right, right. That that's so we had a, for the month of December we're running a marathon on stories. So as I mentioned earlier, we have a transitional home. I know I talked a lot about our hunger ministry because we're constantly in the streets, and when that's what people see when they see us, they see us in the streets serving and or with the shower truck and or going from one location to the next. But we have a transitional home that currently houses 11 men off of the street. And so we work with um, we work with um, Continuum Health to, to help them mental health with their mental health um, needs. And then we work with Oak Street Health to help them with their, men- their, their medical needs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we also work with D&D Construction Company. So this is a, uh, a pastor who um, we've gotten connected with. He he literally hired um, several of the guys in the home to provide employment. Mm-hmm. And then we've also worked in the past with Ingersoll Rand. Um, and the only issue with that was that they the individuals where the house is located on Freedom Drive and where Ingersoll Rand is located, they couldn't really get on the bus yeah. to get there because there was no bus. Yeah, but they were they were willing. Ingersoll Rand is such an amazing company. What they did was they reduced the restriction around or removed, uh, tweaked the criteria um, for individuals um, to get hired, knowing that they wanted to really um, assist individuals who are experiencing homelessness. What does that look like? And they wanted to bring them in to the warehouse to give them a second chance. And we've had a few um, individuals who literally started working for them. But the transitional home, basically, the goal is to start, and it is a small, um, but it the goal is to eventually transition into that, that tiny homes community that I shared with you. Um, and so what we are able to do in the transitional home is provide housing, I mean, provide jobs. Um, so we give them um, work with companies to provide jobs. We provide um, educational opportunities. So we do, um, we have, we'll have a financial literacy class with them quarterly. And that's really to teach them. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Dave, Dave Ramsey program, um, financial literacy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we use, we use that to teach them basic savings, checking and just them to actually understand what it means to save and the value of saving and how if you save here, you can literally transition into your own house or you can better your credit if you start paying bills a certain way. But 
um, you know, just teaching them the basic needs because most of the guys that we, co- we, we come in contact with on a daily basis, it's like savings and checking. That's, that it's foreign to them. Those are foreign languages to them or to our terms to them. Yes. And so we teach them financial literacy and then we'll have people come in to teach them about, you know, buying a home um, or what it means to start your own business. What do you, they can, we had two people who started their own lawn care business. Wow. Um, and what are you good at? You know, what is it that you're passionate about and what are you good at that you don't have to use funding money to get you started, whether that's mm-hmm. cutting grass or whether that's starting your own paint, painting business or your own cleaning business, you can do that with little, little funding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, just get them thinking about, we have classes that will trigger their thoughts on what can I do and just to motivate them and get them excited about really starting off a journey that can help them get to where they need to be. And so that's been fun, just watching them just get excited about that and trying to find themselves again um, in the transitional home. And then on the property, we have a free store that as we get donations in, we take donations on the street, but we also um, have a store for people in the community who need stuff that they can't afford, like toiletries. Uh, We have toilet paper. We have napkins. I mean, we have clothes that were donated from executives like their suits. So individuals, if they want to go on an interview and um, once they take a fresh bath and they put on some new clothes, it makes them, like you said, they get, they have the confidence. So they mm-hmm. walk into an interview feeling confident, even though they might not be as, as confident, they look mm-hmm. good, exactly. but you know, we <laughs> train them on what it, what it, what it looks like for the interview. So we have a store on, on the property that they can come in and get whatever they need. We have diapers for kids. We have hand sanitizers. We have drinks. Um, um, we, have like kitchen items that people donate. Trust me, everything is in that store and people will come often to get what they need. And so, um, and that's where the the shower truck is housed as well. So we have that housing ministry that's been impacting lives. We've we've serviced about 45 guys in the home so far. And some of them have transitioned out of the home, not because of issues, but some of them went back to their families. Some of them now Two of them in particular have their own homes and um, um, some of them we had a few of them went into like a rehab facility for mm-hmm. several weeks that they're in programs now. And so the goal is to identify the need for each person. Each person is individual. Um, they have individual needs. And so identify what those needs are and see how we can make it better or meet those needs. And so it's just been a journey for us. We've had some growing pains, but it's just been a blessing to be able to impact their lives the way we've been impacting their lives. Because trust me, we didn't know what we were getting into when we got started. But by God's grace and mercy, we were able to do what we do and still stand and be proud of it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and pour back into them, the people that need it um, and yeah. need that second chance. Because, um, you know, even me, I needed a second chance and my family gave me mm-hmm. that and I've been given that. Um, and when you're given that second chance, it means a lot. Some don't always, you know, um, use that second chance, but uh, a lot of people do. And um, it just means a lot when you're given that second chance that, you know, someone took yep. an interest in yep. you and showed you um, that love and that kindness that you needed. And that goes a long ways. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. It's, it's the, the stories, as I mentioned, the marathon that um, we've done this month was really get them to be honest and open 
about these hopes and dreams and how we've impacted their lives or not impacted their lives. So mm-hmm. Mike just put them on, my husband just put them on the spot and he was like, hey, can I do an interview with you? And just be honest. And he said, what do you think for Leah's hopes and dreams? And there was no prepping before any of the interviews because I didn't want it to be, or he didn't want it to be like any prepared messaging. We just want it raw. What does this look like for you and how does it help? How did it help or how it hurt, you know? And they were honest. It helped a lot. So they, praise God, it was all positive, but it could have been differently. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it it was all positive, but it could have ended up if we weren't treating them the way they they thought was, you know, humane, it could have been differently. And so Mm -hmm. we've shared it, the raw clip we've shared on online, on our Instagram page and our Facebook page, but it's just been a blessing to see how grateful they are um, to be able to have some place that that's affordable. Because right now, Charlotte doesn't have affordable housing. That's not affordable. It's it's not a term right now in Charlotte. And I understand they don't have the real estate. Yeah. And, and, you know, the need is great. Um, The mayor was saying the other day that we have more than 103 individuals entering Charlotte on a daily basis. Wow. 103 people. Because I had read so, so um, 85, so it's gone up to 103 now. Wow. 103. And these individuals, they're looking for housing. Yep. Some of them are homeless. I, You know, they were talking about some of the homeless people, folks on, on we talked to. Um, I was just talking to someone last week and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, they have these opportunities. People are being bussed out of New York and they're just being dropped into Charlotte because they heard that the homeless population in Charlotte are treated so well. And so they're removing, they're moving people out of these different cities and bringing them into Charlotte because Charlotte treats um, their home homeless people population so much, so much better than others. Now, I don't know how the others are being treated, but I do know that we go, you have organizations that make sure that these individuals on the street, even though they don't have a roof over their head, that they have blankets and, and, mm-hmm. and coats and socks and, we give them showers, we give them food, they get free haircuts. And also they have other um, organizations that are assisting them with other needs. So we do try to take care of them. Like we would want someone to take care of us, but I don't know what happens in other cities, but they were talking about how some of them transitioned from some of the cities here. And that's happening every day. That's crazy. That's yeah. Yeah. It needs, there needs to be more help with the homeless population and, how do we transition them off the street? You know, because Leah's hopes yeah. and dreams. Yeah. You know, your organization can only do so much. You know, because it takes right. fundings. It's not, um, oh, here's a house you can. You know, it takes you know resources to get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It takes a lot to get. It, it takes a lot. I mean, and these people that that we serve, and they need more than you know. When they get housing, they need structure. They need a program mm-hmm. that will really. That would really take time, the time and effort into growing them and and really retraining them what it means to be a person. Because right now on the street, all they're trying to do is survive. That's all they know is survival and trying to, you know, make things work. But when they get in a home in our, when they, some of them, they come into transitional home and they'll be like, is this real? Is there a trick? What's happening? (laughs) And no, it's, it's real. This is what we do. And um, some of them are like second guess. You talk to them on the street about the home and they second guess. I don't know if I want to do this. And you know, they skeptical because they've been, hurt trick so many times mm-hmm. and um when they do hear testimonies from other people who've been in the home they were like okay well i guess if you say it, it'll work out but <laughs> these people have been treated i mean some of them have been treated 
bad and yeah. that they don't trust people and they don't know what to do. And, and then their behavior just, they just have these erratic behaviors because at the end of the day, they don't know who to trust. And they do that. They behave in a way where they want people to leave them alone or they want yeah. people to be afraid of them because they don't want to be um, beaten. They don't want to be mistreated. Right. They, you know, so a, a lot of the behavioral issues is because they're trying to protect themselves. And make people afraid of them. And that's crazy. That is, is. that's absolutely insane. It is. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. I understand it though. Um, But yeah, it's crazy that, you know, people act a certain way to get people scared of them. But I mean, when you're on the streets, you're, you know, there's not many people you can trust. Um, And then it's hard to trust the ones that want to help you. Cause like you said, they've been tricked before and it's like, is this so many times me? And um, it's a survival game and it's sad, but that's what it is. And then you have people who are, it's so crazy. Now this is going to blow your mind and you probably know, I've heard it already. So some of the guys on the street, and I got it specifically from guys, as you were ta- as I was talking with them, some of them left and came back. I was like, hey, where were you? How are you? You look great. Where were you? Oh, I was in prison. And they, I was like, prison? And you're back out here? What are you doing out here? You look great. Well, you know, what we do is, now that it's cold, you know what some of them said they would do? They literally intentionally get in trouble mm-hmm. so they can go back into prison because yeah. they said they prefer to be in prison and have three meals and be in a warm and a warm cell than to be on the street. Yep. Because you get three hots and a cot. Yes. Three hots and a cot. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Yep. That's what okay. it is. Because <laughs> you get three, three hots and, and a, a cot. cot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Three um, hot meal and and at least you're on the inside and it's not freezing. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, they, and then you I, do and have I'm, a doctor you, in there and stuff. Um, so yep. you have some yep. resources. You know, it's, it's still it's not good at all. Um, you know, that from, is insane. But, if that's how then that's how they live their lives. They're like, well, if I can't afford to, to if I can't afford a home or an apartment and I'm on the street, I don't want to be on the street. So because I don't want to be on the street, I'm going to do something illegal to get arrested so I can get in some place that's warm, especially because it's cold, and that uh, that will give me three meals a day. That is insane. That is is insane. Because then it... But it's real. It's real. And, um, you know, and that's part of where tax dollars are going. But, you know, they... Um, it's, I mean, it, it's a resource. I wouldn't say it's one to go and use, but that is, uh, right. I have heard right. of a lot of people doing that and, um, have met some people who have done that and it's, um, yeah, it's three hots and a cot. So you get, you know, three meals and <laughs> three hots and a cot, but I can tell, tell you this, the food inside is definitely not as good as the food that you're serving them. So, um, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't want to miss Wednesdays and Saturdays, but, um, <laughs> Right. Um, right. Um, so you said international. Um, is Are y'all just in the Bahamas right now? You said you go twice no, a year. Are there no. other places? Talk a little bit about the international um, side of Ministry. Uh, Leah's hopes and dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So twice a year. So actually, for the past couple of years, years, we've been traveling to the Bahamas. Of course, that's where mm-hmm. I'm from. So I get, as I mentioned earlier, we get to go back. 
um, twice a year to serve the homeless, not the homeless, the the population, the family on Exoma. Exoma is one of is one of the islands of the Bahamas. The Bahamas is made up of 700 islands and keys. Beautiful place. And I'm from Exoma, one of the smaller islands. And so my team and I, we get to go back in August every year to now give back to the the students who are going back to school and families. So we have two things happening in August. We take backpacks and school supplies for those kids. And then we take food and toiletries for the families because it is so expensive on the island. Mm -hmm. And expensive meaning, I'm going to use this for example, a a bag of Doritos here, the big bag that you would get from Walmart or Sam's and it's like Mm -hmm. $2.99 on the island of Exuma is $8.99 for a $2.99 bag. So that's the difference and pricing. And then, of course, they don't make a whole lot of money because tourism still drives employment there. Mm -hmm. And so um, tourism drives employment in the Bahamas in general. But um, the island, people are struggling, right? And and I see those same people struggling the way my mom did. And, And not everyone, but there are people that a lot of the majority of the people are still struggling. And so I think God has This is like his, this was his design when he created me and and selected me out of my mom, out of all of my mother's children to allow me to be able to go back. And so we're actually going, leaving on Thursday, this Thursday, and this is for our Christmas giveaway. So we, every December, we've been having our Christmas giveaway over there. So we ship the items and give to kids um, during this. So we'll probably be giving more than a thousand kids gifts. And then um, we'll be and, um, you know, we'll auction off. We don't have a thousand bikes, but we will auction off bikes and we'll auction off, um, not auction off. I'm saying auction, but it's free raffle Raffle. off. We'll do raffles. Yeah, we'll do a raffle and we'll give bikes away and we'll give laptops. And we work closely with um, two companies that will help us get those things. Um, And then we just um, raffle them off and and to the kids because we don't we don't want any one saying that we're, you know, there is, we're giving this person and, you know, because we know this person, we want to be able to give each person a raffle ticket and we want it to be fair. Um, and so we do that in, in December. So we have our backpack giveaway in August with food supplies and toiletries specific, specifically to help the families there. And then in December, we have our Christmas giveaway because I've never, what, what's been so good for me is I've never had a bike growing up, a bicycle growing up. And the fact that I'm able to now go back and give a kid a bicycle, something that I've always wanted, never could have gotten, never. My first Christmas present I got, I was 16 years old and it was, I I would remember it. I remember it so clearly today. It was a red pants and a polka dot red and white shirt, 16 years old, my first Christmas gift. And so it just gives me joy to be able to go and be able to do this. Um, to see that the kids who are struggling or suffering like I was, they're able to, I'm able to put a smile on their face, but only because of God's grace and mercy. Don't get me wrong. You know, Um, God's grace and mercy. And I would, I told God, you know, decrease me and increase you because this is your, you, you've selected me to do it. I said, yes. And thank you. But let people see you when they see us before they even see us, let them see you. And then in Guatemala, we have an organization there, Cardenino. They have um, two schools, orphanage 
orphanages and they support, they have um, students that they teach um, computer classes. They have schools. Basically, they teach them everything that they would teach them here. So we support them. And we went down two years ago and um, every year we've been sending laptops and then we'll have a team hopefully to go next year. And then we have a presence in Africa as well, in Ghana. And so um, we go, we have an organization there um, that we, Alabaster Project, Christian organization, that we go and actually minister in the villages in Tomali. So we fly into Accra and then um, we go into this small village. It's around a 90, I don't know if you've heard of the 90-10 window. 90% of the individuals there are are Muslims. And we go to serve that population and share the, the gospel of Christ. And it's just been a blessing for us. And and so we're so grateful. Wow, that's awesome. Um, So, yeah, so you'll be flying to the Bahamas Thursday when this is getting released. So um, everyone (laughs) say prayers for Leah's hopes and dreams as they travel while you're listening. Um, But before we absolutely. Yeah. Before we wrap up, um, you know, what's been the, you know, the biggest um, need that Leah's hopes and dreams, you know, has had recently. Yeah. Is it food? Is it clothing donation kind of um, so our listeners maybe can, um, you know, help um, and get involved kind of um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So the biggest need for us is food right now. Um, We have two needs in a way. Um, where individuals can just step in and help. We have the food on, as I mentioned, Wednesdays. It's it's like the, the toughest day for us during the week where, of course, people are working. But if we can get like organizations, restaurants to come alongside us um, or individuals who have the time to prepare food for us to ensure that we continue to deliver the services that we're delivering to those on the street, that'll be absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it, it'll give us the ability to serve more and ensure that everyone on the street are getting what they need, the nutritional needs that they need on a weekly basis. So that was the first. And then the second need um, we've been putting out there, some of the guys that we serve, they don't have funding to help like pay for the transitional home. So we were asking if there are people out there who are willing to help pay $300 a month for someone to stay at the transitional home or $3,600 a year or even $1,300 for every six months because we charge them $300 because they need to be responsible. But we right. try to get, we don't want to turn away anyone, but it's to pay for the maintenance of the house, the rent, mm-hmm. the, 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 the rent, the mortgage for the home, um, you know, to make sure that they have food. We provide food for them. We provide classes for them. We provide transportation. So all of that is for that $300 a month. It's not just rent. That's for all of everything that we provide for the individuals. So if there are individuals out there who are willing to help any of the guys in the home want to sponsor them, um, that'll be grateful. I mean, that'll be great because, again, everyone in the home doesn't have the ability to pay. And then the only way we're able to continue the services is to be able to get the funding to do that. And so, um, you know, those are our two major needs right now. Um, And so I'm hoping that, you know, God just opened that door for individuals to come alongside us so we can continue to do the services that we're doing. Yes. Cause I mean, those are two very big needs, um, for your ministry. Um, now how can people, um, reach out to you if they want to donate or, um, get involved? I know, um, you know, Wednesdays and Saturdays it's at the wall, but what does that address exactly for those who don't know what the wall is or, um, if any yeah. group, you know, wants to, um, do something and help cook a meal or, you know, just come out and partner with you on a Wednesday or Saturday, how can they get in touch with you to, um, 
you know, orchestrate that. Yep. Yeah. So they so they can call us at 919-986-5191 and or they can go on our website and send us um, an email um, uh, through contact us at www.leahshopesanddreams.org, L-E-A-H-S-A-N-D. D R E A M S uh, dot org. Leah's hopes and dreams dot org. H O P E S. I forgot that piece, but Leah's hopes and dreams dot org. And they can go um, and send us an email and or sign up to um, just sponsor one of the events that we have. And we'll definitely respond and or they can just send us an email at Leah's hopes and dreams at gmail.com. And then if they are unable to get us through those, which then we always respond, someone will respond to any one of those. They can go on our um, on Instagram and send us a message. They can send us a message on Facebook um, and we will definitely be able to respond. So there are, there's a different ways that they can reach out to us and then they can go on the website to donate. Excellent. Excellent. And I'll um, put your information up on our Instagram and um, connect people um, that way as well. Um, so before Absolutely. we wrap up, um, what advice do you have for our listeners? Um, maybe it's a listener who's never dealt with homelessness, um, yeah. or someone yeah. who is struggling, you know, just what advice do you have for our listeners that has gotten you, um, through life and gotten you to where you are and that you kind of just hold tightly? Yeah. So that is, that is such a, uh, an important, question for me. Um, don't assume someone is okay when you see them. Um, I, my teacher walked up to me and she, when, when we started serving in the Bahamas and she said, I never thought you were struggling and I never knew you were struggling because you, you was always smiling. And she said, it breaks my heart to know that I was right. You sit, sat right under my nose and I taught you and I did not know you were struggling. So my advice would be, do not assume when you see someone that if they look a certain way or they're smiling um, or they're, you know, presenting themselves in a certain way that they're not hurting, you know, always have asked God for discernment. And two, don't look down on the individuals on the street. Everything is temporary and everyone that's on the street can be fixed. Just lend a helping hand figure out what you can do to help. Everyone doesn't try to, to bamboozle you is what they would say. These, these people probably have money. But instead of listening to that, listen to that voice in your mind or your heart and reach out and, and, and ask what you can do to help because there's always a way to help. And it doesn't have to be financial. Sometimes it's just you lending a helping hand by providing some words of encouragement and or, you know, just standing there just to say, I support you and I know what you're experiencing. But those are the two major things that as I was growing and, and I was, as I was going through, I just wish people would just would have just recognized that I was hurting, but I just I never vocally said I was hurting. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes a difference. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, for me, when I was struggling, I didn't want people to know I was struggling. I wanted people to think I right. had it, it all together when really inside right. I was broken and I was barely holding right. on. Yep, yep. And that's what you see most of the time. And I don't care how great you look. We all have issues. And what does that look like? Help somebody, you know, mm -hmm. and what you give will return to you. So that that's yeah. those are my those are my two things. 
Amen. You know, just Those make sure have discernment, have discernment. Yeah, and be treated, treat others how you want to be treated. Treat it absolutely, absolutely. That goes a long ways. Yeah. Respect, um, you know, and if people would just yeah. um, do that, this world could be a a little bit better of a place than what it is right now. Absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, it's not, but hopefully, and we can strive to do that. And maybe one day we will see that. If not here, we'll see it in heaven. Um, So, Amen. Amen. um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. It's been an honor just chatting with you and learning more about Leah's hopes and dreams. And (laughs) for our listeners, uh, just to learn more about uh, a ministry that is um, having a big impact in the Charlotte and greater um, you know, outside of Charlotte and uh, internationally. Uh, it's one that I've um, gotten to know and been able to help serve a few times. And whenever I'm able to get out there, I enjoy, um, you know, just lending a hand and uh, just getting to see, you know, the people who are struggling in uh, the Charlotte city where I live, but uh, being able to hopefully give them a little bit of uh, encouragement and hope and just see a smile on their face. And if not, they can at least see a smile on my face and just, you know, hopefully they feel wow. a little bit of mm-hmm. love. So it's been an honor talking <laughs> and getting to know you. And um, hopefully some of our listeners can get involved and come out and help, um, you know, serve some meals. And, you know, some of those who listening who have some money, maybe they can help donate um, to the cause. It's a cause and uh, that has a lot of needs um, to run. So thank Amen. you for what you're doing and your family's doing. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you sometime in the new year. I know you're busy. Yes. So come back out there. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. It's been, um, you know, I've gotten to meet a lot of people through the barn. Um, you know, the Barn Brothers is its a group of men that meet on Tuesday nights, but uh, there's, you know, it's outside of Tuesday nights is when I've met a lot of people um, like Rogers introduced me to you, which has been a blessing. And um, yeah, so I look forward to just getting back out there and bringing my family out there and hopefully our listeners can get involved. So just thank you for what you're doing um, and just adhering to God's calling for you and um, the ministry that, um, you know, that you have um, built and are just making a difference to the people in our city. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, All right. Yes. Thank (laughs) you. And thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. Um, If you have any questions, comments, or want to come on this show and record an episode, uh, feel free to reach out to the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. And then just give us a follow um, on whatever platform you listen to and subscribe. But thank y'all and hope you'll have a great week and we'll be back next week. Love y'all. All All right. Love you. Thank you. All right. Love you. Bye.